0: How often have you looked at someone and noticed that there's something off about that person? But you make the snap judgment of thinking that their flaws are indicative of who they are. Alright, be prepared for my imitation of a judgmental person who really should stop sounding like this. Sloppy outfit. She must have poor taste. Came in late this morning. He must be irresponsible and unorganized. I've certainly been guilty of making snap judgments about people in the past, but I think the overwhelming impact of others' judgments about me have made me realize that that's not the kind of person I want to be. Many say that our actions reflect who we are, but what happens when we stop to consider that that may not always be true? The mind is a sacred place. It encompasses everything important to us. Our thoughts, our ideas, and our perceptions about the world and ourselves. That's also where our ego's at. It keeps us going. keeps us up and about. Any sign of our mind being weak has often been mistaken for weakness in character. Well, this episode aims to challenge that notion. We're always rooting for eating healthy and taking care of our body, and sending out other positive messages about taking care of our health. How come we can't be as positive when talking about the health of our minds? Aren't our minds like our bodies, something that we can exercise? Isn't there potential for growth? Well, of course there is. All the time, people promote yoga, meditation, crossword puzzles, brain teaser apps, exercise, and lifelong learning, and to some extent, All of these aim to increase our mental well-being. Yes, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Let's be honest with ourselves. How many of you would not be threatened by the disturbing news of crazy murderers, psychopaths, and people who are a real threat to society? But wait, when it comes to mental illness, there is a spectrum just because you are mentally ill doesn't mean you are a crazy person. Now, I know TV is TV, but good storytelling is good storytelling. In Parks and Recreation, this show I've been obsessing over, there's a character named Chris Trigger. Chris is a grown man who has the title of city manager. On the outside, he is confident and energetic. He literally has the physical build and drive of a guy who comes off like nothing can get in his way of getting stuff done, even when he's surrounded by many much less enthusiastic employees. But then he experiences some major life changes that start making him sadder than normal and begins seeing a therapist. Did you know that treatment isn't just about taking meds? Therapists can walk you through relaxation techniques and other ways to bring you back to full wellness and recovery. But why shouldn't we hear about therapy and treatments to mental health like we hear about healthy food and exercise for our bodies? Because of the combination of logical fallacies and a lack of positive context for mental health in the media. This encourages a vicious cycle of shame, continual taboo, and a lack of awareness. I'm really excited to be working on this episode because I hope that I can live to be a part of a society where asking each other about our mental health sounds like this. How's your mental health doing today? And not like what it is now. Wait what? Who has mental health problems? I grew up in a traditional Asian family and mental health has been and still is a non-existent topic of conversation. Although what's nice to keep in mind is that Generally speaking, I was raised on pride being the minimum condition for most of our conversation topics. If it does not bring honor to the family, do not bring it up. But just to clarify, I am not here to address just those who identify themselves with Asian blood and therefore can relate to the cultural barrier, but to everyone who wants to learn more about mental health. This very taboo topic, but cause of so many of our day-to-day problems. The National Alliance on Mental Illness is an organization that I recently started following on Twitter, which I am a little embarrassed to say a social media platform that I still do not have a full grasp of yet. I'm getting there. Anyway, according to their Twitter page, the National Alliance of Mental Illness is the nation's greatest grassroots mental health organization. So I thought it would be a great place to expand my understanding of mental health. Most people, myself included, that mental health is an issue that only becomes an issue when suicidal thoughts are involved. No, there are other symptoms. On the organization's homepage from the Learn More tab, you can find a list of warning signs instead of reading out a list of symptoms, though I thought I'd share a story about them instead. As you've heard before on other episodes, I was a middle school teacher, They often say that middle school is one of the worst places to teach, but that's exactly why I chose to teach there. Before my former job, I had experience subbing in middle schools and their after-school programs. I enjoyed working with middle school children, and generally, they're not what adults often label them to be. They're not lazy, and they're definitely not stupid. But of course, snap judgments often beat, remembering them as these youth full of potential and deserving of respect. When I taught middle school, I watched a lot of students with symptoms that resembled ones that I had growing up. The student had his device out, even though on some level he knew he wasn't supposed to. Everyone else was taking out their notebooks, getting ready for me to start my lesson. Not only did he have his device out, but he had started forcing other students to play with him. He was now out of his seat and throwing things onto the ground. The next thing I knew, he was trying to rip the classroom phone out of my hands as I tried to reach for help from the office. The student had been off his medication for mental illness, but after a persistent attempts to communicate with his family, to raise concern for this child's well-being and his peers, I finally reached the parent who had apparently cut contacts with everyone else at the school. The single mother of this child had cut ties with the school because she had felt neglected by the school's support system and refused to cooperate. In the end, I organized a meeting with the student's teachers, the counselor, and his mother. The meeting closed on the mother's decision to get him back onto medication for a mental illness that he was diagnosed with. Now, this student is one extreme case. I've been in a classroom where I witnessed one of the following, temper tantrums, excessive anxiety, disobedience and aggression, and hyperactive behavior. However, in my experience, I've only managed to successfully get mental help for one child. Being a teacher meant playing the role of the absent parent, the absent therapist, the absent education specialist, the absent school psychologist, and the absent curriculum specialist, which I knew that I signed up for. But if I'm told that I have to reevaluate my values and turn a blind eye to matters that mean a lot to me to do my job, then I'd rather not do it. I want to live a life where I can be true to myself. My body and mind told me that I wasn't. So I trusted myself to stop. After I graduated from college, students often go through something called post-grad blues. I went through that. I experienced severe, untreated depression. The worst part of it all was that I learned that the symptoms I had weren't new. They were just a much more exaggerated version from phases that I had in my life. It explained my phases of having strangely short attention span. It explained my phases of poor memory. It explained my phases of being unable to concentrate. It explained my phases of low self-esteem, all of which was soon associated with my personality and who I was. But why hadn't I told anyone about it? Why hadn't I said anything even though I trusted my own diagnosis after college? Because I feared that I wouldn't be able to teach if they knew. Because I thought my mental illness would disqualify me for the teaching profession. Because the stigma of mental illness meant that they'd never let me step into a classroom. Funnily, months into my first full-time teaching gig, I turned my back on the job even though I was doing relatively well for a first-year teacher filling an overloaded position and pressured to carry out tasks that didn't align with my values. There was no way I'd turn my back on my mental health again. i choose mental stability over passion any day. I've made a lot of changes to my environment to be the person I am today. I found peace again in recent times of solitude. As much as we like to think that we're in full control of our life, we are not. Our environment will continue to shape who we are. Kids have it the roughest. Not only are they stuck with everyone else making decisions for them, many of them don't even have access to a good listener, let alone a school psychologist. One piece of advice I wish someone had told me when I was growing up is that while I know we are all under a lot of pressure to be the most capable person we can be, believe it or not, there are battles that we can't fight alone. Severe mental illness is one of them. If you're starting to feel even a little bit like you suck, There's absolutely nothing wrong with you, even if somehow your environment makes you feel like that, because when it comes to severe mental illness, you can't trust your own judgment of who you are. Pay attention to what's happening to yourself. Reflect on your days. Make it a habit to start journaling, even if your entry is only three words. I am bored. I've had my share of those entries. If you think that there's even a possibility that your life might be starting to spiral out of control, it's never too late to turn things around. Start with talking to someone you can trust. For those who don't think you have someone like that in your life, if your parent or parents' medical insurance covers you too, it should be pretty cheap to schedule an appointment with a therapist. Someone whose job is to let you rant and talk about your problems. You can go to your regular doctor and ask them to help you find somebody, Therapists are supposed to be really good at listening, and everything you tell your therapist will be confidential. Yeah, even from your parents, so you don't have to wait until when you leave home for college or for something else. Be hopeful that help will come, as long as somebody knows, and somebody who knows also knows how to help. This is my last episode for this season. I've enjoyed sharing my insights and experiences with you. I know some of you have made topic requests and I'm sorry I didn't end up getting around to all of them, but I do plan to push out another season where I can address those topics then. Date and time to be determined. Do me a favor, go to the National Alliance of Mental Illness website. You don't have to read everything, get whatever you can get out of it. More importantly, please try to remove the stigma of mental health. This isn't the most exciting topic to talk about, But start with sharing this episode with just one other person, because hashtag, the struggle is real. I'm Ivana, and I'll be back soon with more adventures from A Writer's Journey.